Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study with Pastor John. Tonight's study will be in the book of Deuteronomy. We invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. All right, we're going to get started. Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study. I want to thank everyone for coming out tonight to get a portion of God's Word. Amen. Amen. First and foremost, I'd like to thank our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ tonight for making this all possible for us by going to the cross, becoming the final sacrifice for our sins so we could have a new life, spiritual life, and a new opportunity to serve Him here on planet Earth. Thank you, Jesus, for opening our eyes and doing for us what we could never do for ourselves. Amen. All glory and honor goes to our risen Savior. I'd like to thank the Smithfield Avenue Congregational Church for letting us do our study here in one body. Many parts. Many parts, right? I'd like to thank all the faithful people, the core of this ministry, to keep it running so the message go beyond the four walls. Amen. Thank you for your service. Shout out to the Facebook feed. If you have a cell phone, please silence it so it doesn't disturb tonight's study. And we will start off with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Gracious Father, thank you for allowing us this opportunity tonight, Lord, to gather together as your family, to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord, and to learn more and more about you, Lord, and how you would have us live down here, Lord, on this earth, as we deny ourselves to become more like you, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord, to become clay in your hand and take the pride out of our hearts and fill it with humility so you can mold us and shape us into the image of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And thank you, Lord, for getting us all here safely and all your general, general, generous provisions that you provided for us each and every day, Lord, to meet our needs, Lord. Help us always to glorify you with lives worthy of the call, Lord. And as always, Lord, please, let everything we do tonight be led by your Spirit, Lord, and not my flesh. It's in Jesus' mighty name that I pray. Amen, amen and amen. All right, we're going to stand. Brittany's going to come up and sing. We're going to get started.
beautiful song, isn't it? Jose, what are you doing tonight, okay? Really good to see you. Better now, yeah. One of them days. Devil's all over me. Doesn't want, doesn't want truth. Yeah, doesn't want truth to come out. <laughs> but we know his schemes. We know what he's up to. All right, we're going to start off in 2 Samuel 22. The Holy Spirit is going to be taken over, so I please ask you to be attentive to that and try not to cause any distractions that might try to get any one of us out of the Spirit as the devil tries to take our freedom in Christ away from us. Amen? Second Samuel verse tw uh, chapter 22. We're going to back up a little bit here. <laughs> Can't help it. This, 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 I could go through this whole chapter. Really. It's, yeah. it's that powerful. Yeah. Let's back up to um, verse 17. Keep the context of this passage. He reached down from heaven and rescued me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemies, from those who hated me and were too strong for me. They attacked me at a moment when I was in distress, but the Lord supported me. He led me to a place of safety. He rescued me because he delights in me. Verse 21, the Lord rewarded me for doing right. He restored me because of my innocence, for I have kept the ways of the Lord. I have not turned from my God to follow evil. I have followed all his regulations. I have never abandoned his decrees. I am blameless before God. I have kept myself from sin. The Lord rewarded me for doing right again. He has seen my innocence. To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To those with integrity, you show integrity. To the pure, you show yourself pure. But to the crooked, you show yourself shrewd. You rescue the humble, but your eyes watch the proud and humiliate them. Lord, O oh Lord, you are my lamp. The Lord lights up my darkness. In your strength, I can crush an army. With my God, I can scale any wall. God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. And I can go on and on and on and on. Well, that's a beautiful passage, isn't it? What is he talking about in verse 17, though, when he's saying... Look what he's saying. He reached down from heaven and rescued me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemies, for those who hated me and were too strong for me. They attacked me at a moment when I was in distress, but the Lord supported me. Now, we're talking about enemies in our mind. Okay, this, this was a literal problem. Now he's talking about the enemies of our mind. The, the devil always attacks us when we're in distress or there's problems going on in our lives. And he comes in and he said he rescued me from my powerful enemies that were too strong for me who hated me. The enemies of our soul, which is the devil, all them emotions, fear, doubt, unbelief, resentment, 
right? Hatred, anger, are all our enemies as a, as a Christian in Christ, amen? Those are all enemies that the devil tries to bring back into our hearts so we can ruin our testimony before the Lord, amen? And make us doubt and have resentments and get bitter and say, this isn't true, this isn't real, start to question the word of God, say, this isn't working for me, and on and on it goes, amen? But if we put our faith in the Lord and trust what the word says, he will rescue us from all that distress when the deep waters come. As long as we run to him, it says it right here, he restored me because of my innocent, and I have kept the ways of the Lord, and I have not turned from my God to follow evil. So what does it mean, turning from my God to follow evil? Now, evil in God's eyes and evil in our eyes are two different things. Running back to the world is evil in God's eyes. Whatever you, you're finding, your resources in the world, is evil in God's eyes when you run to them. It's called idolatry. You're running to things he created over the creator himself. Amen? He says, if you show yourself faithful to me, I'll show you. If you're faithful to me, I'll be faithful to you. Amen. You come running to me. I'll take care of you and protect you. Amen. And we're all a work in progress. We've always run to the world for, for, for our resources when we get beat up. We can run to the world to get comfort. Let's go shopping. Let's get something to eat. Let's do something, right? Instead of just going right to the Lord and crying out to Him. Amen. So that's a powerful scripture. And there's a lot of promises that are guaranteed to us if we follow His ways. Amen. That was a great scripture. All right, we're going to have we're going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 11. All right. We we went to a few verses last week in 11, but we're just going to start from jump and come down. How's that? We'll start in verse 1 and come down and I'll just reiterate as we go. How's how, everybody with me so far here? Okay, stay with me now. Try not to get distracted. Verse 1, Deuteronomy chapter 11. You must love the Lord your God and always obey his requirements, decrees, regulations, and commands. Keep in mind that I am not talking now to your children who have never experienced the discipline of the Lord your God, or seen his greatness and his strong hand and powerful arm. They didn't see the miraculous signs and wonders he performed in Egypt against Pharaoh and all his land. They didn't see what the Lord did to the armies of Egypt and to their horses and chariots, how he drowned them in the Red Sea as they were chasing you. He destroyed them, and they have not recovered to this very day. Your children didn't see how the Lord cared for you in the wilderness until you arrived here. They didn't see what he did to Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, a descendant of Reuben, when the earth opened its mouth in the Israelite camp and swallowed them, along with their households and tents and every living thing that belonged to them. But you have seen the Lord perform all these mighty deeds with your own eyes. What's he trying to say? When we come to the Lord and we get saved. Our kids don't never see salvation. It's up to us to teach them that. Just like your kids are here, your kids are here. It's up to the parents to teach the children about God and Jesus Christ. Amen? All of us, because they didn't see the miracles. We have, they have to be taught. It's not natural for us to know God, is it? We have to get taught the word of God. 
And it's up to the parents to do that. And if they don't want to, and if you look at the world today, where the parents are giving the kids a choice, well, you don't have to go to church. I remember when I was a kid, I had to go to church every Sunday. And it was, it was something that they made me do. And I'm glad they did, because after I went wayward, I returned to the Lord. Amen? Amen. I thanked them for that. I thanked them very much for that. And it's, it's our responsibility to teach our children that, and everybody else for that matter, as God calls us. Everybody with me so far here? We have an awesome responsibility as parents. Okay, in verse 7 of um, Deuteronomy 11, Israel had strong reasons to believe in God and obey his commands. They had witnessed a parade of mighty miracles that demonstrated God's love and care for them. Incredibly, they still had trouble remaining faithful, amen? They'd seen all the miracles, but they couldn't stay faithful to him. Because few of us have seen such dramatic miracles, it may seem even more difficult for us to obey God and remain faithful. Can I get an amen for that? We haven't seen that. But we have the Bible, the written record of God's acts throughout history. That's why here I tell everybody to read the Bible, right? We get the daily walk. We read the Bible every day. We are educated in the scriptures, amen? amen? And it's good and it helps us and it teaches us what's right, okay? Reading God's word gives us a panoramic view of both the miracles Israel saw and others they didn't see. The lessons from the past, the instructions for the present, and the glimpses into the future give us many opportunities to strengthen our faith in God. Amen? We have to understand. We didn't see what happened down there. We read the account, right? We believe it. But just imagine the people actually saw it. They saw them get drowned and and the enemies get destroyed right in front of them. They trusted God. They put the blood on the doorpost. Remember when the angel of death came, it passed over, came over. They trusted him there. But once they got out in the wilderness and God tested their faith, they returned to what? Other gods, right? They made their own God. And that's just what happens to us. We get out there in the world after we get saved and God's with us, then he what? Pulls back. And then we start not to sense him anymore. And then what does he do? He tests us. Is he going to trust me here? Or are you going to go back into the world again to the source of comfort that you used to go to? Or are you going to trust me? Because the God doesn't speak to us every day. He speaks to us. Sometimes you can sense him really close. And then sometimes you can't sense him at all. Right? It's a test. The teacher is always silent during the test. You have to understand the principles or you're going to end up walking away from this. Thinking, what's going on here? I know more than God. Okay, let's go to verse 8. The blessings of obedience. Is there blessings in a believer's life of being obedient to words of God? Absolutely. And they're not material blessings. No, they could come too. Material blessings could come because God wants to bless us materially too, but he doesn't want the material things to take us away from. So we have to grow spiritually so we can handle the blessings, material blessings. Amen? So it doesn't take us away from God. And that's just the way he does it because he loves us. Look, it says in verse 8, Therefore, be careful to obey every command I'm giving you today. Why? So you may have strength to go in and take over the land you're about to enter. If you obey, you will enjoy a long life in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors and to you, their descendants. A land flown with milk and honey. For the land you're about to enter and take over is not like the land of Egypt from which you came. It's not like the world where you planted your seed and made irrigation ditches with your foot as, a as in a vegetable garden. Rather, the land you will soon take over is a land of hills and valleys with plenty of rain. 
It's a land that God is going to provide for. They don't have to work for. You see it? It's a, it's a beautiful land. A land that the Lord your God cares for. He watches over it through each season of the year. If you carefully obey the commands I'm giving you today, and if you love the Lord your God and serve Him with all your heart and soul, then He will send the rains in the proper seasons, the, in the early and the late rain, so you can bring in your harvest of grain, new wine, and olive oil. So what is he talking about there? He's talking about the peace that passes all understanding. If we do things the way he says, he promised us that the land he puts us in our mind, he's watching over it for us now. And the enemies is in our mind, okay? The devil's in our mind. The Lord watches over our mind. And how does he do that? Through the word of God. The word of God is what watches over and controls our mind instead of the world system, amen? We have to get the word system filtrating in here. When all the issues come, when we get angry and bitter and resentful, we want to talk about somebody or gossip or get angry, amen? We have to say, shh, let God take over. Because if I take over, it's not going to be good, amen? We all know what comes out of our mouth is not good when we want to make our point. Amen? He promised us that he would do it. But we have to wait on him. He said he will give you lush pasture. Look at verse 15. Lush pasture land for your livestock. And yourselves will have all you want to eat. It'll be like a banquet. You'll have that peace. Listen. The promised land. And I'll just imagine every day you get up. Everything's just good. It doesn't matter what's going on. The car doesn't start. People are irritating you next door. It doesn't matter what's going on. Your husband's being jerked to you. Your wife's being all picky. It doesn't matter all that stuff. He still says he's going to just give you peace no matter what. You can just stabilize through that whole thing. Wouldn't that be awesome? That's the promised land. But we have it. Why don't we ever use it? Why don't we ever use what God has given us? You want the answer? It's unbelief. You don't believe you have it. If you, ha if you believed you had it, you would use it. When them times come. And everybody says, well, I believe. I don't know. If you believed it, you would actually be able to use it. You're not using it because you don't believe it. Because you're not putting it to the test. And you're not keeping your mouth shut when you know you should. You're saying, I'm going to let the Holy Spirit take over and I'm going to put him to the test. But if you never put him to the test, you're never going to have the experience to understand it. Amen? Amen? So that's why. It's unbelief. You have to believe it. It's not a feeling. He says that I'm with you and I'm going to take care of you if you just keep your big mouth shut. How many of us have trouble keeping our mouth shut? Amen, right? Now look what it says. Look at verse 16. But be careful. Don't let your heart be deceived so that you turn away from the Lord and serve and worship other gods. If you do, the Lord's anger will burn against you. He will shut up the sky and hold back the rain and the ground will fail to produce harvests. Then you will quickly die. What is he talking about now? He's saying if you turn from him and start going back to the world again, you're going to die spiritually. You're, not going to, you're, going to have, you're going to starve for that peace. You're going to have no contentment anymore. That's what he's talking about. If you go back to this way again, you're going to have no contentment. And until you come back to me, it's never going to happen. And there's Christians that do it all the time. Oh, I just do whatever I want to do, and God's just good with it. And you know there's no contentment there, amen? There's not. We don't know more than God. It's just arrogance when you think you do. 
Then you, it says, then you will quickly die spiritually. What does it mean? When you stop following the world again and doing things your way, you die spiritually. Because now your flesh is getting fed day in and day out. You're following your ways and what you want, and you're not following God and what He wants. Can I get any amen for that? Okay. He says you'll die spiritually in that good land the Lord has given you. So He's telling us, He's putting us in the promised land as a believer. He puts us in that land of promise. Do you realize you're already there? But we just don't sense it. We just can't grasp what he's talking about. Every day you get up, he says, ah, you can be in that promised land. No matter what's going on in your, this coconut of yours, whatever you're thinking, the promised land is yours. I already gave it to you. All that I have, all that I need has already been done. All I have to do is what? Believe it, receive it, and apply it. Amen? That's the trouble. We just can't do it. Some days we do. Some days I get up, I'm right on it. I get on my prayers and it's good. Even though the devil's attacking me in my prayers, I'm just following the ways of the Lord, right? I put the daily walk on in the way to work, right? I say, Lord, please, I'm going to work for Jesus today. Let me love the people that come up against me. Let me not talk about people. Let me not lord over the people that God puts over, I put, let me put over. Let me not try to boss them around and be. Let me show love and understanding to them. Amen. Just like I need from God. Amen. Amen. If you're an employee or an employer, both of us have an awesome responsibility. The employee is supposed to treat the employer like Jesus. And the employer is supposed to treat the people underneath them like Jesus. Amen. Right. Same thing. And not lord over them. Look at verse 18. So commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road. When you're going to bed and when you're getting up. What do you do when you get in your car? What do you do when you're not in church? Do you ever talk about God? Or does everything else come into your mind that you talk about? The Bible tells me, if I want to stay focused on what's in the Word, i got to speak godly things. I have to. And if I don't, the world just comes back and consumes me all over again. I get involved with all nonsense all over again. So that's why I have to be around believers. That's why when I come, I can't wait to come to church. Because nobody wants this in the world. They want to be their own gods. I can't wait to come to church so I can get a reprieve from that. Right. People just don't want this. They want to be God unto themselves. I don't need that. And that's just what the devil has them. It tells us to teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So that as long as the sky remains above the earth, you and your children may flourish and the land swore to give your ancestors. What's he saying? When all this is circulating in your mind all the time, then you can have that peace he's talking about. That's why you constantly have to have this circulating in your mind. Whatever it takes to get it there too, right? We, we, we have a lot of resources here. We give that to you, right? Put the podcast on or get a message. But anything but what? Anything of the world just distracts us. It just takes us right out of it. Music, whatever it is. I even put, I have, you know, as much as sometimes I don't agree with the stuff they do, but I, I listen to the songs on that station because they bring me back to God. Because mm. if I put, like, pro F on man, I feel like I'm on the beach again, ready to, you know, hook up. <laughs> I 
That's what it does. It brings me back to the times when I used to go crazy. It just does. It's just a fact. You ever hear an old song that bring you back to a certain spot in your life? You say, whoa. Right? It brings you music. It puts us right to it. Right? It brings us actually right in the moment. I'm saying, I got to be careful with that. Because the good old days weren't always good. Amen? The devil wants to remind me of the good part of it, not the bad part of it, when I couldn't get up the next morning. Amen? Everybody knows what I'm talking about, right? Oh, I had a good time. What did you do? I don't remember. (laughs) But it was good. (laughs) What's that smell? Oh, I stopped at Sam's to get some wieners and I stuffed the wrappers on the (laughs) top. Yeah. Those places used to stay open after way out past there. Everybody know. Everybody know what I'm talking about, right? So if you you go back to that scene, the music yeah. comes right, brings you right back to Haven Brothers. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's just crazy. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's as old as me, but down in the city used to be the circle down there. Oh, yeah. Used to go down there and hook up down there, right? Music, girls, you name. Every vice was there. That stuff gets burned into your mind. It just doesn't go away. So I don't need to wake that up, right? I need to put that to sleep. Oh, so it says, look at verse 22. Be careful to obey all these commands I'm giving you. This is a real church, by the way. We're real. We don't put on a church face. We, 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 we're, you know, we, we know what we're like without Jesus, right? Okay. Ain't nothing good in us without him. Oh, then you hear, I'm not that bad. I'm a good person. Compared to who are you a good person? Compared to who are you a good person? Yeah. Compare yourself to Jesus, and we're all in the same boat in this room. Amen? If not worse, thought word indeed, right? (laughs) I'm not that bad. Okay. Okay. I digress with that one. Look at it says in verse 22. Be careful to obey all these commands I'm giving you. Show love to the Lord your God. How do I show love to the Lord your God? Go to church, read the Bible. Is that how I show God love? Nah, it doesn't even say that. What does it say? Walking in his ways. Living the way he wants you to live. Not coming to church, reading your Bible. He says, love the Lord your God by walking in his ways and holding tightly to him. Then the Lord will drive out all the nations ahead of you, though they are much greater and stronger than you. So there's a condition attached. You want all those enemies in your mind erased? He says you have to walk in his ways for that to happen. If you don't walk in his ways, it will never happen. Don't think coming to church is going to do it. It doesn't do it. You get the information here to actually carry it out out there. Amen? Religion puts you in church. That's all it does. It doesn't change you. The change happens when you actually live what it's telling you to do. It says... And holding tightly to him. If you do that, it says, then the Lord will drive out all the nations ahead of you. You know it as well as I do. What are the things that still get wrapped up in your head that you can't defeat? What are they? You have to say, well, am I holding, am I loving the Lord? Am I walking in his ways? Am I walking in my ways? That's why they're not getting delivered from him. And it says, then the Lord will drive out all the nations ahead of you, though they're much greater and stronger than you. The devil and our emotions are greater and stronger than us. Moses 
was obedient till that one time he got so angry he struck the rock instead of spoken to it. His emotions took over his obedience and he lost the promised land. What do you think that's going to happen to us? If our emotions overcome our obedience, we're not going to get in the promised land. That's what he's trying to say. You're not going to have a peaceful life because your emotions are controlling you, not me. If I told you how many times I got up in the morning and say, I don't feel like going to work, if I didn't do that, I would be broke. <laughs> if I followed them emotions. Amen? Or if I want to, you know, let this mind take over and say things that I shouldn't say to retaliate back when somebody says something about me or does something to me. There's no promised land there. There's no promised land there. And then you come to church... <sighs> This is such a hard walk. No kidding, because you're walking your way, not his. It's going to be real hard for you. You're never going to overcome. Never. You have to actually say, you know what? I'm going to live for God today. He knows what you're saying. He knows I'm living for God today. And then if you fail, it doesn't matter. He says, my goal is to live for God, not for me. And then he'll help you. Whatever. Look at what it says in verse 24. Wherever you set foot, that land will be yours. Your frontiers will stretch from the wilderness to the south, the Lebanon to the north, and from the Euphrates River in the east of the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you. You hear that? No one. No one will be able to stand against you, for the Lord your God will cause the people to fear and dread you, as he promised, wherever you go in the whole land. What does that mean? When you show love, okay, let me tell you something. And the, the crazy people and crazy, they get scared of you. They say, "What's wrong with this?" It, they get scared of love. They don't like. They don't like light. They get scared of light. How could you be so nice to me when I hate you? People get scared of that. Say, "What's wrong with you? You got to be possessed." I am. You're possessed by something that you don't even know you're possessed by. I'm possessed by Jesus Christ, Amen. and that's what's keeping me from wanting to kill you. <laughs> you want the truth? Because <laughs> I know the old John and what he's capable of doing. And if he comes out, it, I'm not going to be nice to anybody. So he has to what? I have to keep him sleeping and let Jesus show up. The words of God. I have to make a choice to do that. It doesn't happen naturally. Naturally, I want to come out. So you know the Holy Spirit is the, the stopper. You know when you want to say, shut up, stop. Because <laughs> you know once it comes out, you can't stop it. It's like a volcano. You can't just say, you know, and then not say nothing after that. It doesn't happen. Once you say, you know, and then here it's on from there on in. Whatever comes after that is not good. And then you're going to hear, I'm sorry, I didn't yeah. mean it. Why? You did mean it. That's really what's in your heart. Thank you for showing that to me. Whatever comes out of your mouth, listen to what I'm telling you, each and every one of you, is what's in your heart. Deal with it. Deal with it. Deal with it. Because that's what God's trying to show you. That's in my heart what's coming out of my yeah. mouth. Deal with it. Or else you'll never have any peace. Never. Never. You'll blame everybody else for your outbursts. That God's showing us. What do you think he shows us that for? He's like a pressure cooker. 
He shows us what's wrong with us, not what's wrong with them. Don't worry, there's plenty wrong with everybody else, but there's plenty wrong with me. Because whatever's coming out of my mouth is really what's in my heart. And that's not good. God can't put his light in there. If you just shut it and blame someone else, that darkness is still in you, waiting to come out again. But then when you go up, that's why confession is so cleansing. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. My flesh is evil. I really don't want to misrepresent you, Lord. Please, put a God over my mouth, Lord. Please, I can't control what comes out of this mouth. Please, Lord, help me. And then he will. You have to humble yourself, though. Say, look, I can't control what comes out of this. And you know it as well as I do. You can't control it because you wouldn't be in the trouble that we always get with our mouths if we could. How many times do you want to say, I'm sorry? I'm sorry. And then go do it again. I'm sorry. There's no repentance between that. By the way, there's no repentance behind sorry when you keep doing it. The repentance is, I'm sorry. I'm going to the Lord and I'm not going to repeat the behavior. I repented of it. But when you keep doing it, then you're not really sorry. That's worldly sorry, which lacks repentance, brings forth spiritual death. It brings the flesh back out. So you have to ask yourself, what keeps coming up to the surface and out of my mouth is something I am not dealing with. I'd better get to it before it's too late, before God can't do anything with it. And you won't be able to get into the promised land. His grace and mercy, it always runs out. Judgment comes after that. Then you get embarrassed. <laughs> Once he makes it public, it's not pretty. What's going on at home behind closed doors? Yeah. You know, the, come to church. <laughs> Everything's good when you were just the devil all day. And you come to church. Oh, hi, everybody. I'm doing so good. Please. Give me a break. You're talking to, you're talking to somebody that's been in the same place that you have. You know what you're like behind closed doors. Don't try to bring it to church saying I'm not. You'll get, I hate you. All the beautiful things. How about, I love you. I love you. I love you. Thank you, Jesus. I can't. You're the best. I, you're the best wife. You're the best husband I've ever had. You hear them words? Come on, no. Be real. The devil makes us look at what's wrong with people. Jesus looked, overlooks the fault and sees the need. So if you want to act like Jesus, you'll overlook the fault and see the need. I don't want people playing church here. I really don't. I can, I can tell anyway, be honest with you. I might not say much, but I know a lot. I can see a lot. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, right? Thank God he gives me a God for my mouth to keep it shut. Please. <laughs> I want what he had. I want what that baby. See that baby? He's got it made. He doesn't even know. He's just. He doesn't even know what he's in for, right? Against himself. Unbelievable. All right, let's keep going here. Look at verse 24. This is awesome. Wherever you set foot, that land will be yours. Your frontiers will stretch from the wilderness in the south to Lebanon in the north and from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you for the Lord your God will cause the people to fear and dread you as he promised. Wherever you go in the whole land. Look today. I'm giving you a choice. Here it is. 
between a blessing and a curse. You will be blessed. Listen now. You will be blessed if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you today. But you will be cursed if you reject the commands of the Lord your God and turn away from him and worship gods you have not known before. When the Lord your God brings you into the land and helps you take possession of it, you must pronounce the blessing at Mount Gerizim and the curse at Mount Ebal. These two mountains are west of the Jordan River and the land of the Canaanites who lived in the Jordan Valley, in the Jordan Valley near the town of Gilgal, not far from the Oaks of Morah. For you are about to cross the Jordan River to take over the land the Lord your God has given you. When you take that land and are living in it, you must be careful to obey all the decrees and regulations I'm giving you today. What's he saying? Coming to church, right? You get filled with all this. He says, now, when you leave, you've got to obey everything that you're learning and show out there that this is what your life is about. That's what he's saying. If you want to enjoy the peace of God. Amen? That's what he's talking about here. Let me just reiterate now before we go on to chapter 12, okay? Is everybody with me so far here? This is an important study. This isn't for babies. Okay. In verse 26, it says, what is God's curse? Let's think about that. What is a curse? You know, somebody, um, I must have a curse on me or something. You ever had Somebody must be cursing me. You know, people think of that voodoo or witchcraft as a curse. Yeah, Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, it's not a magician's spell, okay? To understand that, we must remember the conditions of the covenant between God and Israel, okay? Both parties had agreed to the terms. The blessings would benefit Israel if they kept their part of the covenant. They would receive the land, live there forever, have fruitful crops, and expel their enemies. The curse would fall on Israel only if they broke their agreement. They would forfeit God's blessing and would be in danger of crop failure, invasion, and expulsion from the land. Joshua later reviewed these blessings and curses with the entire nation in Joshua chapter 8, verse 34. It is amazing that God set before the Israelites a choice between a blessing and a curse. It's even more amazing that most of them, through their disobedience, chose the curse. Right? Their disobedience, they actually chose the curse. Instead of saying, I'm going to be obedient to God and get blessed, I'm choosing the, be, I'm choosing the curse to be disobedient to God. Same thing with us today. If you choose to be disobedient to God, you're choosing the curse over the blessing. That's what it's saying. And what's the curse? That life of unfulfillment and 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 just lucky that just that life is empty. Instead of feeling fulfilled all the time, you're always empty and miserable. And that miserable comes out in anger and bitterness and always snapping at people. There's no testimony there. Can I get any amen for this? Because you're not being obedient to what God's telling you to do. When God tells you to shut up, He tells you to shut up. Then you get cursed if you don't. Then you run your mouth forever. Look what it says. It is amazing that God set before the Israelites a choice between a blood. He's setting that before us. It's even more amazing that most of them, through their disobedience, chose the curse. We have the same fundamental choice today. Listen to me. We could live for ourselves or live in service to God. To choose our own way is to travel on a dead-end road. But to choose God's way is to receive eternal life, like it says in John 5.24. 
It's a choice every one of us have to make. Listen, you can play church all you want. You have to make a choice every day with who you're going to live for. You're going to live for yourself and what you want, or you're going to live for God and what He wants. And that requires crucifixion. Giving of yourself, sacrificial, sacrificing yourself, whatever God wants, not what I want. I'm going to go out there and be a beacon of light because God wants me to do that. Well, I choose to do that because God says it's good in His sight to do that. Amen? If I got to suffer, Instead of, why do I get a suffer? I go to church and I read my Bible. I'm supposed to be getting blessed. No, going to church and reading your Bible is not what blesses you. It's walking in the ways you're learning is what blesses you. Amen? Amen. And keeping your mouth shut. That's what it is. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. God's good to us. He, he gives us a... Don't you want... How many of us want to get blessed by God? Amen. Do you want to get blessed by God, Elias? Well, you have to live the way he tells you to live to get blessed by God. Don't think you're going to get blessed by God just because you came here. It doesn't work that way. And that's what a lot of churches think. I go to church and I read my Bible. I'm blessed. Sure you are. If you're living disobedient and you're getting blessed down here, it's not from God. It's going to take you away from him. Amen. If you're getting blessed and your life is just going fine, that's because you're running with the devil. You're not running against him. Amen. If you're living your own way and getting blessed, the devil is blessing you to keep you out of God's family. But if there's troubles in your life, you know you're in the right direction because the devil don't want that. He don't want you. He don't want you to be joyful in the Lord on this side. He wants you to be miserable. He wants miserable Christians to go back in the world. That's what he wants. He wants us to be a drudge war. Why is God doing that to me? Oh, man, why is he taking that from me? Why do I got to give that up? Why do I got to sacrifice this, that, and the other thing? Because that's what leads to life. Sacrifice and all that. It's the stuff that you hold on to is what holds you in bondage. A lot of us, remember the, remember the rich guy? He says, Lord. I do all these things. I follow your commands. I do everything that the Bible says. He says, if you want to really be like my Father in heaven, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Then you'll be acting like true children of your Father. This, I do everything else, but I don't give this up. I won't give this up. This is mine. He said, well, that's really your God then. Even though you come to church and do all this stuff, that's still your God. Your money is your God. Because if it means nothing, look, money doesn't mean anything to me. I, I've already given my life to God. It's, it doesn't matter. Money doesn't matter. If I get a couple of bucks in my pocket, I'm good. I don't want, the Bible tells me, and I, I like the warning, don't make me too poor where I have to steal, or don't make me too rich that I'll walk away from you. So that's why I'm glad I'm not rich. The only richness I want is in heart and spirit. Amen? Amen. And go to work from 8 to 4.30 and get a decent pay to pay the bills and everything else. And that's good. That's good. I don't need any more than that. Everything else is just greed. Want, want, more, more, more. Right? <laughs> Let's go to Deuteronomy 12. Let's start. Everybody still with me here? Yeah. Bible's good, right? Truth is good. It's good medicine, isn't it? I just want you to know that this coming here doesn't save you. It's the beginning. First you have to learn his ways before you could actually act in them, right? Of course. That just makes sense, right? 
All right. Let's go to Deuteronomy. Let's just let's, let's break into this before we close. We only got a few minutes left. Yeah. Let's break into Deuteronomy 12. Lord's chosen place for worship. These are the decrees and regulations that you must be careful to obey. When you live in the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given you, you must obey them as long as you live. When you drive out the nations that live there, you must destroy all the places where they worship their gods, high on the mountains, up on the hills, and under every green tree. Break down their altars and smash their sacred pillars. Burn their Asherah poles. Hmm. And cut down their carved idols. Completely erase the names of their gods. Do not worship the Lord your God in a way these pagan peoples worship their gods. Rather, you must seek the Lord your God at the place of worship he himself will choose from among all the tribes, the place where his name will be honored. There you will bring your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, and your sacred offerings, your offerings to fulfill a vow, your voluntary offerings, and your offerings of the firstborn animals of your herds and flocks. There you and your families will feast in the presence of the Lord your God, and you will rejoice in all you have accomplished because the Lord your God has blessed you. Where's that place now? Where's that place he's talking about now for us to gather? Right here, church. He's talking about this is your place. This is where you come now to worship him. You come to church. He's given us a church now. Well, why does he tell us to get rid of all the other stuff? Listen, you have to destroy your anything in your past that brings you back to it has to go. That's what he's saying. If you don't, it's going to come back and take over you again. He says you're going to completely destroy it. And of course they didn't, remember? They, they, they made treaties with them nations, right? And they end up worshiping Asherah poles and everything. So what's the Asherah? That's the lust. All the sex stuff. All that perversion they were talking about. They were worshiping that. They couldn't let it go. They come to church, but they couldn't let go of the lust patterns. And all the evil that comes from that. They couldn't let go of that God that had hold of them. The flesh God. Amen? Gratifying the flesh and the lust of the flesh. The pornography and all that stuff that people still get into as Christians. Amen? If you can't let that go, believe me, it will come hold of you and it will possess you as a Christian worse than if you were never one. He says you've got to get rid of it and get rid of it soon or else you'll never get rid of it. He says you'll die with it. You'll never be able to let go of it. And everybody, especially men, know how strong lust patterns are. When they come calling us. We have to go crawling on our knees to Jesus. To help us. Because that's how powerful it is. It's the most powerful addiction in Christianity today. Lust. And people come to church and just ignore it. Because it's embarrassing. But it needs to get exposed. Because if it doesn't get exposed. You'll never heal from it. And that's why we're not afraid to talk about that here. Because all of us have it in our hearts. Lust. Jesus said, if you even think of somebody with lust, you already committed adultery. I guess we're all going to hell then, right? How many of us can honestly say they never thought anything bad in their life? Lustful. Can anybody actually have the nerve to say they never did in here? Oh, then it's a problem, isn't it? It's a problem. And it's still a problem. It's still a problem because it's a burning print in the, in the believer's mind that the devil knows about and he comes and he pings the believer's mind to what? He gets us all frustrated and fall back into that again. 
Very dangerous place to be. All right, so we got down um, to verse 8. We're going to stop now because um, we're out of time, and I want to get deeper into this. Thank you very much for letting me share that with you. Brittany's going to come up and sing. We're going to close. Amen? Okay. You're very welcome. Thank you. David, you want to come close in prayer? <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the message that you've given us tonight. I thank you for helping us interpret the word through Pastor John. 
And through the word, I pray that all of us, not just myself, but we all become beacons of light, representing Christ out there. And using the things we're taught every Wednesday, Saturday, and Monday to go out there and fight against our flesh, to fight against the world, and one day, help you bring more believers into the flock. In your son's whole blessed name, I pray to you. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, David. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night. God bless. Until we meet again. Peace.